AIDS. It, it began to draw broad public attention from about 1981. It became, of course, uh, a brutally transformative syndrome, vastly lethal, uh, a cultural shock. And perhaps 40 years on, uh, there's a moment for reflection. Here's an example of that, work that, that considers aspects of AIDS' aesthetic impact. Peter McNeil uh, is Distinguished Professor in Design History in the School of Design at Sydney's UTS. Uh, he is co-editor of a special edition of Critical Studies in Men's Fashion, and that special edition is titled Fashion in the Age of AIDS. Peter, welcome. Hi, Jonathan. How are you? I'm, I'm well. AIDS, obviously a thing with, with a... Well, still, in many respects, a devastating current reality, but a devastating legacy. Fashion is is a less commonly considered dimension of that? I think so. And, um, you know, AIDS has killed about 39 million people worldwide so far and mm. still affects about another 38 million. And yet we don't often think about what impact it had on the way we dress, the way we manage and style our bodies, and also about all the incredible fashion losses to do with AIDS. The idea then for this issue, fashion in the age of AIDS, what, what, what was your thinking around that? Oh, look, it was like a thunderbolt moment. Um, <laughs> I read on, it really was. I mean, I read online that Adelaide, in a beautiful but small private house museum, yeah. was about to host an exhibition called Silhouettes, Fashion in the Shadow of HIV AIDS. I thought, gee, that sounds interesting. What's that about? So I got on a plane the next week and headed down to delightful Adelaide. And there I discovered this amazing exhibition actually more about the losses of the deaths of all the gay male designers, both in Australia, the United States and Britain. This was an in incredible kind of show because the, it was at the David Roche um, collection, which is a beautiful house museum with wonderful decorative arts, things about, you know, Catherine the Great, Marie Antoinette, all these very grand mm. themes. Mm. But they put on a special collection that had been put together by a, a private collector uh, called Sky Bartlett. And there was a lot of funny twists in in, in it being housed at the Roche because the Roche uh, had been owned by a very wealthy man called David Roche who was made interested also in pedigree dogs. He had a men's clothing shop. He actually dressed Don Dunstan in those famous pink shorts in the early 70s. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah. um, Adelaide's South Australia is really interesting because it's the first state to decriminalise um, homosexuality in 75, really quite early. Mm. And here was this amazing show all about the enormous number of gay men who died of AIDS, but also about Australian fashion costumes and garments worn by gay men in Australia that kind of spoke to that period, that terrible period of the 80s and 90s, which is um, grim but also full of resilience. And, and, and resilience, I mean, that that's one aspect here. Perhaps one, one of the more obvious things is dressing as an act of resistance. Yes, and um, for me it was very special to see this because I was a young person in the mid-80s and it was a pretty difficult time to grow, grow up as a gay or queer person. But um, people got on with their lives and, um, in fact, ACT UP, the amazing protest movement mm. that came out of New York and the States, a lot of the people involved in ACT UP had come from the advertising industry and they decided, for example, that they had to have 
strong unified looks for their street protests, for their amazing zaps, where they used to dress up as bankers or clerks and infiltrate the stock exchange to launch a protest. They even infiltrated um, TV panel and newsreader um, cast by actually working out how do you look like a newsreader. But ACT UP, the viewer might remember the the pink triangle, which is based on the the Nazi symbol for queer people in the in the in, during the Holocaust, and what they did was really create a kind of impact and a look for gay men and, le- and many lesbians in that period. For example, you know, big boots like Doc Martens, nice neat shorts, and then protest T-shirts. You know, those bold kind of simple graphics of the mid-80s, mid to late 80s. Yes, an amazing moment. That's perhaps a good thing to do here is that let's walk through some of the contributions uh, in your special yes, edition. Yeah, we, yeah we, we decided to put out a call. I thought, you know, I was blown away by, you know, reading about seeing these clothes from uh, people who died of AIDS in the States. Mm. The first person who died was Chester Weinberg. We have a beautiful contribution from a Canadian called Mark O'Connell. So Chester Weinberg was the first person prominent designer to die of AIDS in 85, and he was the design director of Calvin Klein Jeans and mentored Donna Karen. Then there's a whole series of other people that people write about for us. We had contributions from UK, Finland, the States, Australia and Canada, which was really amazing. An important black designer called Willie Smith died soon thereafter. Halston, the famous Studio 54 designer, died in 1990. Uh, There are figures who are not so well known, like Giorgio de Sant'Angelo, who did these kind of floating caftan goddess dresses and a dress Varushka in the 60s, a famous model. And the ones that really blew me away was I'd never really thought about Tommy Nutter, the famous man who did contemporary suiting, who modernised Savile Row. Savile Row, yes. Yeah, I knew about Tommy Nutter's work, but I didn't realise he died of AIDS. And he dressed Bowie, the Beatles for Abbey Road. He'd made Bianca Jagger's wedding wedding trouser suit. And he even made the clothes for the Joker in Batman. Can, in can we say anything? I mean, here we have people like Weinberg, Nutter, who were HIV positive, who clearly were aware that their, their life was going to be shortened. How did that, what impact did that make on their creative output? How did that change that? Yeah, um, O'Connell writes a bit about there was this kind of terrible anxiety and fear in in particularly the New York fashion scene. And the guys were really worried because um, people began to say, we can't employ any more gay men as designers. You can't lose the front man of the company. They can't be insured. They began to demand that all the guys had HIV tests. Mm. Um, so gay men who had been so, so creative in areas like fashion and also interior design, I'm very interested in how that that whole generation was wiped out. This meant that gay men began to be seen as a liability. So they had to sort of manage themselves very carefully. And there was an awful lot of denial going on. Often um, they they would never discuss the fact that they were sick because it would mean the end of their career and, and their, you know, their campaigns. Perry Ellis is a, probably the most famous guy who died in 86. And his brand, Perry Ellis, is one of the only ones that has continued. A lot of these very prominent people... Um, just kind of faded away. And I thought that this South Australian show was so brilliant for bringing that to the fore. I mean, it's a wonder we weren't sort of plunged into something of a, you know, a, a dark age with, with the, the, the absence of so much talent. Yes, and um, we, t- you know, we tend to think that it's like one tranche of gay men that died, but it's actually mm. it was intergenerational. Mm. Uh, there was some fantastic um, hats in this show by a milliner I'd never heard of in Melbourne called Ronald Bernard, Almost sounds like a made-up name, but so he's born <laughs> in the 30s. We've got to, we really forget that 
a lot of the men who died had been born in the 20s and the 30s. Yes, it's not just amazing. young men of, of you that, know, they're that in their moment. 50s yeah. and 60s. Yeah. They're not all 21-year-old boys. And what that means is you actually have the severing of all this kind of intergenerational knowledge being passed on from generation to the next. And in a way, AIDS was like queer people's first world war. It was just an, just an unmitigated disaster. And in, some people have argued that the incredible kind of creative for, of, um, you know, experimentation of the 70s and 80s, you know, possibly connect, you know, it was like a severing of, of that kind of um, mixing bowl of influences. And sort of global as well, I didn't realise that the great postmodern shoe designer, Tokyo Kumagai, your readers might remember those great shoes that look like two mice together or shoes that said love, L-O-V-E, on different feet. He died of cancer and AIDS, age 40 in 1987. So this was, um, you know, it was a global pandemic and it affected all countries. One of the topics taken up in, in, in your edition is, is Manchester. Uh, tell us about that and, and its relationship to the AIDS crisis. Well, really, you should be playing some house music while we talk about <laughs> this, this segment. <laughs> Uh, in, in the theatre of the listeners' to, minds. Yeah, it, it means literally mad Manchester. And it's about the way in which a particular style emerged for young people to dress within the house music scene of, of Manchester of the um, early to mid-80s. And there we have a lovely contribution from Susan Atkins and her team in Manchester. And she looks at how clothing's always about the body and movement as well. And people opted either for very baggy clothes, which are sort of suitable for that kind of all-night ecstatic dancing fueled mm. by certain supplements, or they adopted the kind of exercise outfits, Lycra, that was very unusual at the time and associated with kind of queer taste, queer aesthetic, that now, of course, we don't blink an eye at. Everybody at the supermarket and the petrol stations wearing the exercise clothes, but in the 80s, it was uncommon. The other aspect of this, of course, it, this is a, you know, an affliction of, of the body, um, and, and we see the emergence here of a really interesting physical binary, a duality here, the the, the muscle-bound hunk uh, and Aaron heroin chic running side by side. Once again, this thing about the, the, the body, the physicality, has to be explained to many listeners because it's hard to understand. But because AIDS in that period was a wasting disease, mm. looking very thin and looking very gaunt meant that you might be actually positive. And people were very scared of that. So there was a kind of backlash pushback in the gay community and there was a lot of adoption of um, what I call Michelin men, this kind of um, over over puffed up musculature and there was a lot of steroid taking in the gay community as there still is now. Um, it's also a kind of very positive thing. There's a great um, queer activist writer historian called David Halperin who once said, look, if you, if you get muscly and if you get big, people might not beat you up. They're less likely to do that. So mm. it was a kind of reclaiming of the, the body. But then some people also like there was a great queer kind of, it's hard to know whether he was a performance artist or a costume designer or just a just a figure, Brenton Heath Kerr, who used to go to dance parties in Sydney and would wear these amazing costumes over his very small gaunt frame that he hid with a black body stocking and he'd become a muscle man or he went to the Dior opening at the powerhouse dressed as a kind of black, black Dior-esque woman with black helium balloons and his face always obscured by a black body stocking. Where will people find uh, critical studies in, in men's fashion? Um, any good library, you can download the issues. There are also abstracts on, on the web. And if you go into a big university library, they're, they're likely to have the journal. I hope people have a look at it. Peter, thank you. Oh, it's a real pleasure.
Peter McNeil, uh, Distinguished Professor in Design History, School of Design at UTS, and the uh, edition of which we speak, Critical Studies in Men's Fashion, uh, a special edition of that titled Fashion in the Age of AIDS. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.